0: Great to be with you today. I love being a part of this ADC family. And thank you for taking the time and what I know is a busy part of your semester to be here at chapel. And so I serve with the Canadian Baptists of Atlantic Canada. Keep do you have the slide thing? Or you can just go to the next slide, that'd be awesome. If you want to keep track of what's happening in youth and family world, you can follow us in all these wonderful places. And we've been challenging churches, challenging Christians, just like you, with the question, Will you join God in Changing Atlantic Canada one name at a time? So help me out today and just find a partner. And I'm only going to give you 30 seconds to do this, so you've got to be on the ball. Try to name all the places that you go during the course of a regular week outside of the college and your church. So include regular places like the grocery store, the gas station, try to name all the places you go. Ready? I know, where do I go besides college? Ready, set, go for it. Five, four, three, two, one. All right, it sounds like you go a lot of places. Now my guess is if I asked a group of kids or youth the same question, they would have named at least double the amount of places you just named. Now to yourself, as you think about all those places that you go during in the course of the week, do you see one spot, one person, where you see evidence of God's work in one of those places? Outside the walls of this college and your church? We really believe that God is at work in our neighborhoods. We really believe that God is using ordinary Christians like you and me, Christian leaders like you and me, to transform our neighborhoods with the good news as we open our eyes in those places we are in our neighborhoods. So where do we spend most of our time? Is it at the wells or is it at our churches? Is it at the wells in our neighborhoods? Jesus and his disciples, they hung out in the community, at the well, in the neighborhood, at the parties, all the time. And in our scripture today, where was Jesus? You can answer me back. Where is Jesus? At the well. At the local Tim Hortons. Just (laughs) taking a break, taking a rest on his journey, which I can relate to. I stop at a lot of Tim Hortons on my journeys across Atlantic Canada. Jesus' whole thrust for his disciples and for us is to send us out again and again back into the neighborhoods. As you read through the Gospels, notice how he's saying to the child, He gathers them, and they debrief together, but then he sends them out again. Sends out the 72, two by two. Sends us out. And we know some of his last words to us were, go and make disciples of all nations. In other words, as you're going to the well, as you're going to Tim Hortons, as you're going to work, as you're going to school, make disciples, show and tell the gospel. And here's my fear. My fear is we've forgotten how to send people, as Christian leaders, how to send people into their neighborhoods. See, the well in the ancient world was the place not only where you had to go at some point to get water, needed water, but it was the place where you went to get caught up on what was happening in the community faster than looking at a Facebook news feed. It was the spot where you got caught up on what was happening. And so where's the well in your neighborhood? Think of your neighborhoods, the places where you Live where you work, where you study? Where's the neighborhoods, the neighborhood well in those places? Where are the regular people? You know, I worry that we've not been at the well. We've been at the church lots and lots and lots. But we haven't been at the well. We've marked a mature disciple by how many programs they come to at our church, how many services they come to, how many Bible studies. Instead of marking true, mature discipleship, by how many wells are they at, where they're sharing the living water? Mm -hmm. How are they in their home, in their workplace, serving Christ and showing the spirit of Christ? Are they at the wells with the living water? We need to train people to do that, because it's not natural for us anymore. And to have our eyes and ears open to the people right around us at the well. Because look what happens when you're at the well. A person comes by that God loves and God wants to encounter through you. Jesus encounters this Samaritan woman. Who I know you all know, you take Danny's class and you're preachers. I know you know the background in the ancient world that most Jews When they went from Judah to Galilee, they did not take this route. They took the longer route to avoid going through Samaria because the Samaritans were like your weird cousins as a Jew. You didn't want to admit that you were related. You didn't want to admit that you might believe some of the same things, so you avoided them. And a single Jewish man, he certainly would not be found talking to a woman and a Samaritan woman at that. So if you were an ancient hearer of this story, you wouldn't expect Jesus even to give a polite head nod to the Samaritan woman, let alone talk to her. And she herself expressed surprise. And she says, how can you talk to me, a Samaritan woman? You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? but Jesus doesn't care. He knows there's this divide between Jews and Samaritans, and people can say what they want. Jesus is at the well. Jesus is in the neighborhood. And maybe you're thinking, oh, phew, my church, I, we don't have any divides like that, like between the Jews and the Samaritans. Oh, really? <laughs> Ask Jesus, am I, is my church... Are we upholding a separation that, Jesus, you are trying to tear down? Are we trying to uphold a wall that, Jesus, you are tearing down so that we can engage and love people in our neighborhood? We haven't been very good, at, ch- as churches, at engaging people that are different than us. Often, we perpetuate the walls and the separations. We've separated by ages. We've separated theological understandings. Look at all the different denominations. We've separated based on marital status or rich or poor, even different races. We've separated churchgoers from non-churchgoers. We've separated out of our own fears, fears from people that might have a different political view than us or a, a different view of a theological issue or sexual orientation than us. And we can't get anywhere close to the wells in our neighborhood because we put up all these walls. And for people in our neighborhood, they don't see our churches as wells anymore. Our churches represent the walls, the divides. So it's going to take us and the churches getting out of the walls and going to the wells because Jesus is tearing down the walls, tearing down the divides but we keep trying to build them up. Jesus is already at the well, already in the community, if we'll join him and be at the well. If we're willing to cross whatever divide it takes to be at the well, to invite people in our churches to cross those divides to be at the well. And your well may be a spot where religious people are actually avoiding it, but Jesus is calling you there. And just like the woman at the well, millennials in our age, so those 21 to 35, and I'd say those younger too, they're longing for authenticity, for the real you, the real Jesus, for people to listen and hear the question behind their questions. See, the woman at the well, she didn't run when Jesus touched a sore spot. Both she and he knew that she'd been longing for love, that she felt rejected. She was longing for a place to sense family and belonging. And she never found it. Husband after husband. She never found it. Lonely walk to the well after lonely walk to the well. She still felt that sting of loneliness. So she doesn't run when Jesus invites this deeper discussion. When she, he mentions she had five husbands and now the man she's with is not her husband. She stays. But naturally, she gets a little defensive. And she starts asking, Hey, Jesus, where should we worship? She essentially says, Let's talk about our denominational differences, shall we? (laughs) Instead of talking about my husband's. Instead of looking at the loneliness that's in my heart. It's like when church people, we say, Let's talk about the color of the carpet. Or let's... Let's talk about what songs we sing on Sunday instead of talking about how to reach our neighbors. Instead of talking about the walls that we've built up in our own heart or in our own church. Or like when you ask a teenager or an adult, where have you seen God at work lately? And they say, how about those blue jays? That's what she's doing here. But she stays. She doesn't run. Because she's intrigued by Jesus. She's been invited deeper. She wants to know, who is the Messiah? Who is the Messiah? She wants to know if she belongs anywhere. Just like millennials today. You know, the guess inferred from commentators and preachers is this woman really felt like an outcast in her town. Like she didn't fit with her neighborhood, didn't belong. That she's rejected And that's why she comes to the well early in the morning. The well, you can think of it like just us down the street. She doesn't come when everyone else is coming early in the morning to line up. She comes during the off hours so she can avoid their leaving her out of her clicks, their whispers, and their looks. And my guess is we've all felt like that at times. You ever felt like that? That you don't fit somewhere? I grew up in a military family and moved around a lot as a kid. And I remember every time we moved, feeling like this. Feeling like, where do I fit in this new school? Where do I fit in this new neighborhood? And sometimes that feeling comes back as an adult, doesn't it? Maybe you felt it coming to the seminary. Where do I fit here? Do I really belong here? Coming to the university. Or when you go to a new church and you think, do I fit here? Am I going to steal someone's pew if I sit there? Should I have brought a bigger Bible? Am I allowed to take my coffee? (laughs) Were you trying to figure out where do I fit, where do I belong? Guarantee there are people in this room asking that question. Guarantee there are people in your church asking that question. Guarantee there are people in your neighborhood asking, where do I belong? Where can I be loved and known? It's one of the most important questions that millennials today are asking. Where do I belong? And the question is, who's hearing them? (coughs) Is anybody at their well hearing the questions behind the questions? See, Jesus saw this woman, saw that she still felt that sting of not belonging. He saw her and the question behind the question. And in this beautiful encounter, he offers her living water. He offers her that he is the Messiah who loves her. And she can belong to him and his family forever. So Jesus is at the well with the living water. But where are we? And what are we carrying? Do you have any living water with us when we go to the gym? when we go to class down the hill, when we go to the grocery store, when we go to the coffee shop. See, the disciples, they were there too. They came back to the well, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to be at the well. They had to be at the well with living water. It's not enough just to be on the hockey team or at the coffee shop or at the playground with other parents. See, the disciples were at the well, but their buckets were empty. Their attitude was wrong. They're that Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman and talking to her about theology at that. A Samaritan woman. And they're tired, and they're hungry, and they don't understand that God is at work around them every day, even at the well. They entirely miss the life-changing experience that just happened between Jesus and this woman because they're too surprised that she's he's talking to a woman. They're too concerned with getting something to eat. Sounds an awful lot like my church. Cut up in what coffee we serve, cut up in our potlucks, cut up in in-house arguments and meetings, cut up in whether someone believes exactly what I believe, and we're missing what God is doing at the well right in our neighborhood. I can be so like the disciples in this this story, this account. Our churches can be so like the disciples in this account. Caught up in pleasing the right crowd, the church crowd. Caught up with the divides that we've built up. Worried about church budgets and the next paycheck or our programs or getting enough volunteers, right? That we miss what God is doing at the well in our neighborhood. There's this gym that I go to regularly. I've gone there for about the last two years. And I actually tried to kind of keep it hidden that I'm a pastor for the first while, but word got out. (laughs) And it's just a small class. There's usually anywhere from six to 12 of us in this class. And all of them, it's clear they don't come from a Christian background. Church is very foreign to them. So every now and then one of them will come out with a really interesting question about Christianity, about the faith. And about a week and a half ago, I was at the gym, and it was there's only about five of us there this day, and this one girl who, um, it's just very clear, her lifestyle, her lifestyle is not in the ways of Jesus. we we'll put it that way. <laughs> And I was totally in my head that day. I was actually trying to write my next blog in my head as I was doing exercises. And I kind of missed that, we call her Dubes, was talking to me and asking me some things. I, I didn't even click what she was saying to me. And at the end of the night, we were putting on our shoes to go at the door, and she stops me, and she says, Renee, I am not a religious person, but I'm spiritual. Could I get a job at one of your churches? Well, the most interesting conversation ensued. And I almost missed the conversation because I was like the disciples at the well. It was me who had dropped my bucket of living water. They wanted to talk about spiritual things. It was me who had dropped my bucket. Friends, Jesus is already at work at the well. But where are we? Are we at the community well? And are we carrying living water? Or have we dropped our bucket in order to worry about our assignments this week, or programs, or budgets, or job security, or the songs we sing? We're invited by Jesus to be at the well in our neighborhood with living water and to train others, equip others to be at the well with living water. The disciples might have missed it, but the Samaritan woman, she gets it. Right away, where does she go? Where does she go? To town. Back to her own town, to her own neighborhood, to tell them about this man that saw into her heart and she believes is the Christ, is the Messiah. She gets it. She takes the living water and she goes into her neighborhood and she says to others, taste for yourselves. Taste the living water. And the people in the town, it tells us, follow her. Even though she had been an outcast, they follow and many believe in Jesus because of her witness. And just like the people in that town needed someone that they knew to tell them about Jesus, people in the places that you go every week, that I go every week, need us, someone they know, to tell them about Jesus, to hear the questions behind their questions, to hear their heart, to hear where they're longing for belonging. You know, I came to Christ not because someone brought me to church, church that I'd rejected years before. I came to Christ because someone came to my well. For me, that was the cross-country running team. Someone came to the well with living water, and modeled Jesus and told me about Jesus. This woman at the well is acting a lot like millennials today. Skeptical of of Jesus and what he knew of her, skeptical of religious institutions and denominational differences, but very intrigued by Jesus. Millennials today are intrigued by Jesus. Just like the woman at the well, they're tired of those that have promised love and then not delivered. They're tired of the promise of connection and then discovering emptiness and lack of depth in those connections. They want authenticity. They want the real Jesus. People are craving living water. So what's in your bucket? Are you carrying any living water? What does it mean for us as leaders in the church? It means asking, Lord, how do I, how do we join you at the well? How do we join you in our neighborhoods? And training others to do the same. One of the details I love in this account of uh, the Samaritan woman and Jesus as the missionary in the situation, Jesus is the missionary, he's the sent one from God. He connects with the woman not by providing for her needs, but by asking her to help him. Asking for her to give him a drink. You know, sometimes the best way to connect at the well in our neighborhood, rather than offering to help as the big brother, the big sister, is to ask, can you help us? Can you help me fix my garage? Can you help our church respond to the refugee crisis? Can you help us fix up the playground for the kids in our neighborhood? Can you help us serve our neighborhood together? And so one of my privileges is I get to travel around Atlantic Canada and see what churches, what people just like you are doing to join God at the well. And we're seeing some exciting things. There's youth groups and churches Doing things like serving Saturdays, where they purposely try to be a blessing to their neighborhood and serve their neighborhood for a day or beyond. Churches partnering with food banks and Greener Village and Romero House and Harvest House, trying to build relationships so they can share living water in those contexts. There are churches and youth groups and kids ministries that have picked a cause to become a champion of that cause a spot where they're seeking to right some of the wrongs in our world. Whether it's poverty or the literacy rate or whatever it is, they're joining what God is doing across the wells in our world. There's groups that are training youth how to lead Alpha. And as they're training the youth to lead Alpha, they're praying about where do you need to offer Alpha where you go every week, teenager? Who are the friends that you're going to invite? And we have youth that are running alpha and lunch programs in their schools. We have Christians that are committed to get together with uh, non-Christians to go to a community lecture or read a book or go to a play or a movie, and then discuss it together and not be afraid of the spiritual questions that come up out of those discussions. There's youth groups doing Things around looking at the tough questions in culture today and doing role plays on how will you talk about the living water when it comes up on your hockey team, when it comes up in the classroom so that they're ready with living water. There's a church in Fredericton that at the end of the last school year partnered with the school to throw the best ever schools out party for the entire school and is building a relationship with the school so they can be living water in that place. For the month of October, we just went through something called Neighboring Month, where we challenged each other to open our senses to where God is at work around us every day, and to join God in our places. And it's amazing to see the stories coming out of Neighboring Month, of churches that have started new partnerships and build bridges in new communities, enjoyed meals with new Canadians. There's Christians that are committed to being a regular somewhere, at the gym, at the coffee shop, on a team, at a store, but purposefully to notice and connect with the people around you, to open your eyes and your ears how God is already at work at the well. Because imagine if we all did that, all of us here today, Everybody in our churches across Atlantic Canada. What if we were all at the wells in our neighborhoods with living water? That would change Atlantic Canada one neighborhood at a time. As Jesus tells us later in this account open your eyes, open your ears, and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Go to the wells the schools, the Tim Hortons, the lecture halls down on campus, the library, the book clubs, and open your eyes. God is at work around us, and the fields are ripe for harvest. God is already at the wells with living water. So friends, where are we? And what are we carrying? I'm going to invite... Chris and Chris back up to do the final song. And as they're doing the final song, we have our imaginary bucket up here, (laughs) and post it notes and pens. And I invite you to ask the Lord of one well, one spot in your neighborhoods where you need to show up consistently with living water. A well where you need to invest and notice the people that are around you there. And you'll be ready with your living water. So just on a post-it note, write down that, that one well that you'll commit to being there with living water. And put it in our bucket as we sing this final song.